Mike Pence elects to stay on the GOP ticket despite Donald Trump's locker room talk and all that followed. Is he there for good? Eric Holcomb renews his support for Trump. Congresswoman Susan Brooks won't talk about it. And Evan Bayh reveals an income in the millions. That plus early voting in Indiana and Indiana Cardinal and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending October 14, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, we all heard Donald Trump talking about mistreating women on an audio tape that led to accusations of sexual assault and calls for him to step down as the GOP nominee. There were also reports that Mike Pence was considering taking his name off the ticket. Pence addressed that topic Monday at a rally in Charlotte, North Carolina. He told the cheering crowd that he is proud to stand with Donald Trump. Before the previous night's presidential debate, Pence said that he needed to hear Trump demonstrate that he was contrite over the revelation that a live mic caught him engaging in what he called locker room talk 11 years ago. You know, it takes a big man to know when he's wrong and to admit it and to have the humility to apologize and be transparent and be vulnerable with people. And Donald Trump last night showed that he's a big man. It's absolutely false to suggest that at any point in time we consider dropping off this ticket. It's the greatest honor of my life to have been nominated by my party uh, to be uh, the next vice president of the United States of America. Our home school. Did Mike Pence do the right thing? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat and Delaney. Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella and Delaney. It's a running mate's job to be loyal, isn't it? This is such a thing as, you know, lemmings following people off the side of the cliff. You know, the irony of this is that Mike Pence has always billed himself as a Christian and a conservative and a Republican in that order. He's flipped it. He's a Republican first, second, and third. What he's done here is unconscionable because either he didn't do the extreme vetting of Donald Trump that he wants to subject every Syrian family running from that crisis to, or... He didn't care because this isn't an isolated incident with Michael with uh, Donald Trump. This is a pattern of life. I, I washed my hands of him when I saw him on television say that his daughter was hot and that he would date her if she wasn't his daughter. And I saw him admit on the Howard Stern show to being a, a sexual predator and to say allow Howard Stern to say that his daughter was a nice piece of whatever without punching him in the mouth. That it. is a pattern of conduct, not one isolated instance. And if Mike Pence had vetted him properly, he shouldn't have ever been standing with him. But he was afraid of losing for governor and thought his ambition could propel himself to the national spotlight. And it has, for better or worse. I didn't take you for a Howard Stern fan. 
I have only saw the Howard Stern tape since this. All right. Okay. okay. I don't listen to him otherwise. Would it be career suicide for him to step off the ticket? First of all, getting off the ticket was never a consideration. And as far as being a Christian is concerned, forgiveness is a major part of being a, for, a Christian. And Mike Pence had a hand in having Donald Trump apologize. He had that conversation with Donald Trump about the importance of doing that, and he did. And Mike was not going to get off this ticket. You can't do it. You can't do that. You can't do it to the party. You can't do it at this point in the process. Or no, first of all, you, there's no mechanism for dealing with that, even if they wanted to do that. He can't be replaced said, on the no, ballot. No, you can't do that. So it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and the people, the hysteria surrounding that kind of conversation is just that. I mean, that was never part of the equation. And they're moving on. And the, the problem here for Donald Trump is he has allowed this, and you can say it's by his own doing, but he has allowed this to distract from the issues that are really important in right. this campaign. The economy, national defense, the trillions of dollars in debt that we have, all of the things that the American public liked about what he was saying that got him the nomination in the first place. He hasn't talked about those things in three weeks. And the important thing is Hillary Clinton doesn't have to. Yeah, that's right. And she's she's loving every bit of this. But, you know, they got to get back a message. And during the vice presidential debate, I thought Mike Pence did a remarkable job of trying to do just that to bring it back to those issues that the American public cares about. And Trump's got to do that and do it quickly. Okay, so at this point, um, we're we're now hearing more and more accusations of, of sexual mistreatment of women by Donald Trump. And, and Mike Pence is repeatedly going on television and saying that, that Donald Trump has denied that to me and I believe him. At what point is his credibility on the line? It's already there. Uh, again, his role is what it is. I, I, you see the blow up that occurred when there appeared to be an inconsistency, and there was, it didn't appear to be, in the policy as it related to Syria, for instance, and how to deal with that as, as surfaced yeah, during the, the debate. Last, in the last debate. In the last Trump debate. And, and so and you can imagine how much uh, uproar there would be if, in fact, there appeared to be a, a wide division or chasm on, on, on this issue. I think that Mike Pence did signal dissatisfaction over the weekend. You know, he didn't do some of the events or indicated that he wanted to... He didn't he say did, take he, a deep he, breath, he but he issued, wanted to he hear. He issued a written statement and disappeared from public until after the debate and the apology. And that, that sent a signal. Uh, so I'm not sure what else he could do short of dropping from the ticket, which, again, is, is not yeah. going to happen. As far as the notion of how does he reconcile his, his religious beliefs, some great, I won't bore you with it, but the Pew Research just came out in the past few weeks on why evangelicals have rallied around Donald Trump. It really doesn't have to do with morals as much as it does the appreciation of an authority figure that yeah. can stamp out some of the developments in society that they view as, as unsavory. Take so me back he's, to the 50s. So he's not, yeah. he's not alone in terms of being 50s. an evangelical that is on that bandwagon. Yeah. All right. Well, Do you agree with him? Does, does, is Pence on the ticket to stay? Yes, Pence is on the ticket to stay. But I will say I think his credibility is online um, because, because we've seen so many of these situations arise. Uh, and he's been, the governor has been very definitive about, uh, I believe him, I believe him, I believe him. And at some point, um, that's going to call into question his judgment. And I think that uh, that does, he does risk his credibility in this. 
he doesn't just say he believed. He stood in front of the country and said that I am a Christian and a conservative and a Republican. Well, he says that and this, and, he said and that, this he said man that is a good throughout man. Throughout his career. He said that Donald right. Trump was a good man. And the history and all of the incidents and everything he said shows that that's simply not true. And being lectured by the Clintons on morals is not going to get it done. I mean, that's outrageous. Are you saying that his right. conduct but, is okay? Uh, no, I'm not saying his okay. conduct's okay. What I am saying is for Bill and Hillary Clinton to be condemned. Don't, con- don't put Hillary in him. the same boat. Oh, believe with me, Bill. she's the one that attacked the women yeah, that accused Bill. Don't put her in the Hill- same boat. Accused Bill Clinton. Oh. She attacked them. Oh, and what has Donald them. Trump just done? She attacked them. Donald Trump says she everyone did. that she's attacks. The one that's running here. Donald right. Trump say, says my, that everyone who attacks Bill Clinton should be believed. She attacked everyone. Everyone who attacks him should be disbelieved. For Mike Pence to say that he was told by the candidate, by his running mate, that he didn't do it, and he's relaying that and believes him. That doesn't seem to me is potentially damaging or straining of his credibility as the superlatives that have been used. So many of the interviews where he's talking about he's the greatest, uh, you know, uh, greatest this, the greatest that, the greatest thinker, the great... That, I think, starts to wear a little thin. Never mind if you think he's a smart guy or not. Few people are the greatest. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, should Mike Pence stay on the Trump ticket? Your choices are A, quitting would be career suicide, B, turn and run, or C, keep a bag packed. Last week's question, did did Mike Pence appear presidential in the running mate debate? 25% said yes, 59% said no, 16% said what is presidential. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Republican candidate for governor Eric Holcomb wavered in his support for Trump this week, and so when he appeared with Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, both of them were quizzed not on Holcomb's ideas or an endorsement he just uh, received, but instead on the level of support they both have for Trump. I have every intention on supporting the Republican nominee for president, yes. I said on Friday I thought his actions and our words and actions were unacceptable and inexcusable. Uh, my position is the same today, uh, but I haven't had anything more to that. I think Hoosiers have a long history and practice of being discerning, and uh, they will evaluate our campaigns independently. He's in over 2,000. Mike McDaniel, would Holcomb lose more support by endorsing Trump or by rejecting him? Look, I, I, what I love about this was your premise is that they can't get away from it. Well, the reason they can't get away from it, every question that was asked of him in this news conference was about that. It wasn't about the endorsement from the Indian Manufacturers Association. Every, every, or Scott con- every conversation at the local and, coffee shop and is about and that. And you're a- angry because Abdul got to the question before you could. <laughs> but, but, and, but what I love about that is, you know, you're darned if you do, darned if you don't, one of those kinds well, no, of things. But, 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 but in Holcomb's case, he Holcomb, said, Holcomb has it absolutely right. The people of Indiana are not talking about this in relationship to the governor's race. They're not talking about this in relationship to the Senate race or any other race. They do separate those, and they need to concentrate on, the, on what's important to the future of Indiana, just like they need to concentrate to the national level on what's important to the country. But this, was a, but this was a pertinent question to Holcomb because he had said earlier but that all the you have to that. win my what vote. Anything else? So when you say you can't get away from it, if that's all the media is going to ask you and you're standing in front of them, that's all you're going to talk about. Yeah, he's trying to straddle the line. He's trying to be uh, Caesar's wife here. The fact of the matter is the conduct is <laughs> absolutely so. reprehensible. And if he doesn't stand up and say 
that he's not with Donald Trump than he is with Donald Trump. And the voters are not going to discern a difference. Well, You're yeah, talking about the future. Right. He is with Donald Trump. That's right. Goofy. And so, therefore, he is he is standing up and telling the people of this country that it's okay to elect Donald Trump president what of the United States. What does that have to do with the And leader race? of the free world. Yeah. It means his judgment is oh, terrible, is what it means. All right. Uh, so is speaking John of judgment bad because Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton did what she did and lied much, about her email? Much better president, and she's oh, not. Oh, let's, I let's, she I is Hang not on. doing okay. what he's so accused of. Right. John Gensenberger, let's focus on the governor's race a little bit. There's a new poll out today from Monmouth University that says that John Gregg has a 12 point lead, uh, and more importantly, it says he's at 50. Um, right. Is that a good poll? Well, if you're John Gregg, it's a good poll. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Monmouth poll uh, has had people have questioned the methodology of the Monmouth poll in the past. In particular, um, the Holcomb campaign. Well, there you go. I mean, this, this is one that is very surprising regardless of all of that. To show a 12-point lead after the poll last week showed it was a dead heat um, it makes you wonder just what is going on and who is answering the question uh, posed by these pollsters. Uh, we'll see next week when Ball State comes out with its poll with Wish TV about you know how that confirms or denies any of this. But if it's true, um, that is a trend that is both shocking and tremendous if you're John Gregg. Yeah, um, it, it's a poll that, that showed Donald Trump's lead shrinking to, I believe, four points. Which is what the WTHR poll had. Well, polling, we've talked about this in recent weeks, is, is a tough art. Uh, little science, a lot of art, but it's tougher than it's ever been for a lot of reasons. The exodus from landlines the suspicions that people have about anyone calling with a question about anything. So I think there's, it's a tougher profession, and the numbers are maybe more questionable. Having said that, if you take a single poll in isolation and say, I question the, the sample mm -hmm. or the methodology, okay. But when you have the same methodology from the same pollster employed twice repeatedly, in now twice in the same jurisdiction, in this case the state of Indiana, even if you don't buy into the numbers, about 50% of this, I think you can put the, credence the, what in... Would you the Monmouth Bowl in, in August showed Holcomb with a one-point lead. Now it shows I think Greg you with can, a 12-point lead. Basically, you can find trends in movement yeah. better than I would yeah. put my stock in, in specific numbers. All right. Back to the lead story. Some Republicans are growing tired of defending Donald Trump. Congresswoman Susan Brooks issued a statement this week that says, in part, I won't comment further on the presidential race. Congressman Luke Messer is on the GOP House leadership team, and he says he can't condone or defend Trump against what he calls serious allegations. But he says he understands what's at stake. I don't want to see Hillary Clinton appoint three Supreme Court justices. I don't want to see four more years of a feckless foreign policy and a government first economic policies that are hurting the middle class. So I support the Republican nominee, but I'm not going to defend Donald Trump and, and his comments. John Ketzenberger, can Susan Brooks avoid this topic? This is the hell Donald Trump hath wrought on the Republican Party. Uh, it just is. You know, we talked about it a little bit in the previous question. Donald, two well, okay, so we're three for three. We ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, really. the, the, the fact that Donald Trump is on the top of the ticket and that he is the candidate that he is, a candidate unlike any we've seen in our lifetimes and in a long time in this country, um, means that people who otherwise wouldn't want to be seen you know, within 100 miles of this guy have to answer questions about it because he is of their party. And the public expects an answer. And so that's the difficulty for Representative Brooks and others uh, in this case 
uh, until they definitively answer, and then they run a political risk. Well, and they're all doing the calculation, I think, that I mentioned earlier, is, is how many supporters do I lose if I abandon the party nominee, and how many do I lose if I stick with Donald Trump? Sure, sure. Uh, and I don't know... Um that's exactly what, what's taking place here. And I don't know if eventually Susan Brooks would have to, how long people can hold out and say, you know, I'm, I can't answer it. At some point they may have to. But at least strategically that makes more sense than what a number of members of the House uh, Republican Caucus and Senate Republican Caucus in Congress have done. New York Times had an interesting piece this week tracking the positions of several members in vulnerable, apparently ostensibly vulnerable districts, who on say Sunday and Monday, you know, I'm withdrawing my support. I'm not going to back them. Yeah. But then there's pushback from the other side. And then all yeah. of a sudden, well, I'm back in. And yeah. then there's pushback. Four, and four U.S. Back senators out. who are off, and so then they're back I mean, on. Yeah. To me, it's the yeah. when you when you're so susceptible to whoever you speak with yeah. last. That's the that's the opinion you have. That's that's more troubling, I think, for their campaigns. And there's a lot of Republican infighting. And that's not healthy, right? Infighting? What do you mean infighting? Luke Messer will be happy to talk about Republican infighting. People saying, should we support Trump? Should we not support Trump? Should we look out for ourselves? That's an individual decision for every person involved in this thing. This is the same answer that we gave in the last question. Yep. And that is, she knows that the people of that district are not going to hold her accountable for something Donald Trump said 10 years ago. And it's ridiculous. They need to talk about what's important in that district and what we're doing to move this country forward. And she knows that. She's right. Just say, look, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to talk about this anymore because that's not what's important in that race. And it's not. And Susan Brooks will re- be reelected. And it's not. She will. I think for she, she will be reelected. It's not going to affect well, the outcome. I, 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 I'm not. I think this is an unusual year, and Angela <laughs> Demery's running a good campaign there. Now it's an uphill battle. There's no question about that. But Susan Brooks is trying to be a profile and cowardice. Is what the this is all about. It's all about political expediency. She needs to say whether he is fit to be president of the United States and lead her party into the White House or not. And she's afraid to say it. And voters are looking for a little bit more leadership from their congressional and candidates. And there's still a lot of people she's out here don't Hillary's fit to be well, president. She has, yeah. On your she, side, not on ours. For, the record, for no. the record, Susan Brooks has been very critical in public statements about sure. Donald Trump, even though she remains Even though she's supported. supporting him for president. It's, okay, She's saying he's a scuzzbag, but he one. ought to be president. She's That's not, great. That's a profile in shock, though, that, that elected officials or would-be elected officials want to avoid, as long as possible, answering questions where there's a... As we saw from the email, emails that were released this week about the Clinton campaign, if it was the pipeline that she didn't want to take a stand on, I mean, if, why, until you're this absolutely forced to, why do you want on, to take this, yeah. I'm just saying it's natural. I'm not criticizing her. some odd days from I'm the just, election of the president of the United States. I, it's not an issue. We would want to stick in. We're moving on. Uh, to the Senate race, Evan Bayh's financial disclosure form was filed this week. It shows that he made over $6 million since the beginning of 2015. Republican Todd Young and his allies accused Bayh of being a sellout for using connections he made while serving in the government. Here's Bayh's take. Well, uh, I've worked hard and have been successful, and particularly I've had a chance to help several Indiana businesses grow and be successful, creating jobs and expanding. I think that's a good thing, a good perspective to bring to government, and I'll always vote for what's in the best interest of Hoosier families. John Schwannis, is that a good explanation? Well, I'm not sure that uh, Republicans, uh, either his opponents or others, can attack him on this issue because if you have the person at the head of the ticket preaching uh, wealth as a, as a sign of, of, of smarts and success, 
I mean, you can't, on the one hand, say, I'm brilliant because I've amassed however many billions of dollars Donald Trump has and see that as a badge of courage, but then criticize an opponent for... They are criticized. But if he didn't yeah, have the money... I know, but you can see the other argument. If he, yeah. if he had no wherewithal, he'd probably say... It may say, not be effective. He'd probably say, are. what kind of business where, yeah. acumen does he have if he can't even accumulate wealth? Well, like it's, in, in terms of effectiveness, the Monmouth poll has Evan by ahead by six point, even though the young internal poll has young ahead by one. <laughs> um, this is a Donnybrook. And uh, honestly, some of the advertising I've seen in this race lately is appalling. Um, you know, I don't recognize either one of these uh, men in, in anymore. Uh, and I think it's just going to get worse in the last three weeks. It's just a sign of the high stakes that we have for control of the U.S. Senate. Um, and it shows, again, how craven we've become in our politics because power and, and leverage is what matters, not service to the country. Um. But Evan Bayh has a, a tough time explaining how he made this kind I, I of money. I don't he? think so. And he's done everything according to the rules, in sharp <laughs> contrast to Todd Young. Todd Young was fined $30,000 by the FEC for taking 100000 in illegal contributions and failing to report 75000 others. He took an, a homestead credit deduction he wasn't entitled to and was uh, uh, accused of property tax fraud. And in addition, he made a promise to voters that when he voted five times to shut down the government, he wasn't going to take his salary. And you know what? He did. He broke his word. I will so say we can talk about what rules are being broken here. The opposition here. research in this race on both sides is pretty good. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you agree? In, in 2010, Evan Bayh was still in the United States Senate. In the last six months of 2010, he took six trips to New York City, all on taxpayers' expense. He stayed with people from the Apollo group in their own residence three it's, of those times. It's a banking firm that he met later with, went to work met for. With the CEO, met with the CEO twice. Denied to the Indianapolis Star he ever met with anybody from he the Apollo. No, he, he didn't deny. Yes, they did. Campaign did staff not. people. And campaign campaign did staff not. denied that they he ever met with anybody. It. Said he never met with anybody, never talked about a job, never did anything. He voted against legislation, against all the other Democrats in the Senate, to help the Apollo group before he left the Senate. And then all of a sudden, in January of, of 11, he's hired by the Apollo group and since then made $6 million. Now, he parlayed, rules, he parlayed his United States Senate race and on taxpayers' dime went to New York six times... Where he had other other job interviews for he job did, interviews that they, they, they denied that he ever did. They, I mean, the guys lied about this. Well, they still just like it's like he's lied about never leaving they still Indiana. Deny, they still deny that he did job that he had job. <laughs> right, well, exactly. Yeah, come on. And on top of which, he had public appearances during those trips too. So you, you're just yeah. trying to fabricate so wait things. But what to, they said the Todd Young's problems, which the FEC has already documented. He made six trips here in taxpayer dollar. They said. That two of those or three of those were to talk to Katie Couric and other members of the media. Now I know that you can do remotes from Washington D.C. You don't have to fly to to New York City on do a taxpayer you? dollar oh. to do an interview with Katie Couric. They oh, okay. can actually do cameras. Okay, so should we go back Washington. and look how many so times Mike you, Pence did that? So let me tell you should what. Should we just look go at how many times look, Mike Pence? But you're denying yeah. that Evan Biden did. Well, he lied about this. Well, and he, he did not lie about it. Dishonest. Whatever the facts. Oh, he is dishonest. Hang on, Thirty thousand dollar FEC contribution. He's always been dishonest. Property tax fraud. Would you admit there's an appearance? problem. You, you can make, you know, you can do every, what, what, the standard is what the rule is. He yeah. followed the rules. There you go. All right. 
Finally, Indianapolis Archbishop Joseph Tobin has been chosen by the Pope to serve as a cardinal. He is one of 17 new cardinals. Just three of those are from the U.S. Archbishop Tobin said it came as a complete shock. He fought Governor Pence's plan to ban Syrian refugees from Indiana. That's why some say Tobin's appointment could carry a political message. While we would never endorse, and we being the pastoral leaders, a candidate, we do try to instruct uh, people on, on what, what are the central values of, of the Catholic faith in the public square. And then we have absolute respect for the conscience of, of individual people. And that's Archbishop Tobin and Delaney. What does this mean for Catholics in Indiana? We've never had a cardinal in Indianapolis before, and all the Catholics I've talked to here are so excited about it. He is so he's progressive. He's been supportive of the nuns on the bus. He's been tolerant and forward-thinking, unlike some others we might have had in the past. And we're all enthused about it. I think he's a great choice. He's charismatic. He is very charismatic. He's a great guy. Very. I think it's a great thing for Indianapolis and Indiana, and uh, it's wonderful for him personally because this is what higher honor is there? I mean, other yeah. than being the Pope himself. Is he going to be based here? Yes. Yeah, he's going to he remain uh, the, the cardinal of the archdiocese right. uh, going forward. A little more often, he'll, yeah. he'll be and here. If Donald Trump does win, and Rex Early, his Indiana co-chair of his campaign, <laughs> does get the special envoy position to the Vatican... Now there'll be yeah. a fellow Hoosier that, there I mean, the go. seats at the, at the, at the uh, intramural, Vatican intramural yeah. game just got better for Rex. He's probably going to be right at the midcourt now. I, you know, we would increase uh, the Catholic representation on this program, but it'd be hard to do. Uh, that's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at WFYI iwir or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. Join us next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.